Welcome, everybody, to The Glass House. This is the new producer, Ben Mandrell, and today I'm going to be leading the show. I've got two ladies here with me. He's noticed I've got a little bass in my voice. <laughs> Notice. I have Lindy Mandrell and Angie Elkins, live from Orlando, Florida, the city beautiful. Thanks for joining us today on the show, Angie. Thank you for having me. It's, it's Christmas time, but <laughs> we are just about ready to turn the calendar. Just about ready. Just about. <laughs> means january is right on the corner which means blank page it's a new year blank page i want to have an episode that i just made up in the last 17 seconds questions about the new year for the two of you um i have some quotes and different things people have told me about starting over and i wanted to just see what you guys thought about them okay so um when you think about the new year um it's it's a chance to begin again one of my favorite country songs is by Chris Stapleton. I knew you were going here. Starting over. Sing it. Well, no, I'm not going to sing it because I can't do it justice. But one of the best lines in the history of country music, nobody wins afraid of losing. Uh-huh. As you think about the new year, what's something that you think, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to lose? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I just have a lot of self-doubt about this. Am I going to be able to pull this off? Nobody wins being afraid of losing. So where are you afraid to lose? You start. Um, I'm not good at setting goals. Mm. So this is the time of the year where everybody shows me their goals and I feel very defeated because if I set those goals, I'm not going to hit those goals. Actually, you're really good at setting them. (laughs) You know what? You're right. You set them every year. (laughs) I love setting goals. I just hate revisiting them. Yes. They just... I'm not a systematic person. I never have been. And so I've, this is the time you always feel a little bit vulnerable because I'm, I'm not wired that way hmm. to be great at setting goals and hitting them. Angie, I feel like you're good at that. Like you've, you've set some goals over the last couple of years. Like you've gone after it. I have, but the new year also gives me some trepidation for some reason. I don't know. Uh, you know what came to my mind is I like to buy a new planner, like a like a book planner that's really pretty mm-hmm. and it maybe even has stickers like all the cool stuff yeah and I, a couple of years ago i bought a really nice one and it's still blank really yeah why I, I don't know i don't know if it's like i'm paralyzed that it's not going to be exactly the way i want it to be so i've never used it and now it's out of date i'm like well i should at least just take notes on those pages you know what? that is really painful for me to hear yeah, it's pretty bad. I just got my next year calendar every, like at the end of September, just because of Ben's travel, we have to go ahead and start booking out ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a delight to fill it in. I hate things that are sitting there staring at me saying, you're a loser. You said you're going to start me and you never did. <laughs> so last, literally, literally last night, I went to the pet store to return <clears throat> uh, a dog training device because I decided I'm never going to train this dog. We have an unruly dog. Let's just accept it. <laughs> We're just hoping now, as, oh. he, as he ages, maybe he'll just calm down naturally. The he'll dog mellow. or me? Uh, <laughs> the dog. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Nobody still, wins afraid of losing. Oh, come on, get vulnerable. What are you afraid to lose at? I think I starting new things. It scares me um, because I think at my age, I've figured out what I'm, what I can be good at, and so. It feels safe to stay in that lane, but then doing something that feels different. Like even in my work, I was telling you just yesterday, like this one part that's that has to do with relationships, I feel pretty confident in because I like to meet people and, and meet them over Zoom and 
talk to him and explain my role and all that stuff. But then there's some scheduling things that I'm just not good at with the calendar. And I feel like instead of really just digging in, I'd rather just almost be scared of it. Yeah, that's good. Is that I have a enough? quote I want to throw at you. Okay. Give it to us. And it, it's kind of the same quote, really. I mean, it, it says something very similar, but it might evoke a little bit of a res- different response. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. I love that. You mm. shared that with us recently. and I've, I've never heard that. That was really good. Yeah. It's Say a it good again. one. Say it again. I, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure that you seek. Yeah. How, how, do you, so it's like, how do you equate that in your life? So I don't, when, when I think of what am I worried that I'll lose in the new year, I'm, I don't know, but there are things that I want that I might be afraid to go after I because I'm a, like, I'm a scared to go in the cave. I'm scared to go in and go after it. But really, if I could just get the courage and the bravery to go in that cave, yeah. the treasure that I'm seeking is in there. Yeah. Hard things. Yeah. <laughs> it's doing hard things. Doing hard things and facing fears rather than let them consume you. Mm-hmm. That's good. All right, I got a second one. Okay. When, when thinking about starting something new, someone once said, don't overestimate what you can do in a year. Don't underestimate what you can do in five years. Mm. What do you think that means? Or how does that apply to you? I mean, for me, being an extremely impatient person, I think if something hasn't changed in a very short period of time, it's just not working. It's never going to change. Mm-hmm. Versus just having the persistence to know, like, it it just takes time and people have to get on board. And my plans, I mean, I, but when I read the Bible and I get to stories that say, you know, he wandered for 40 days or there yeah. was 40 years or there's lots of stories like um, someone wanted to be able to have a baby and it was seven years later or something and i think seven years like that is forever i can't even imagine what i'll be doing for seven years from now because seven days from now for me feels like eternity so i i just don't think i don't have a good grasp on long suffering Mm -hmm. it's good yeah angie that's really true yeah i mean i i feel the same way lindley and i are very similar in personality and so I do like to see really fast results, especially mm-hmm. the harder the thing is that I'm doing. But I, I think it's a perspective issue for me where I can remember if my goal is consistency, that's better because I can see that as a result, consistency. Like even with this podcast, right? I mean, we've talked about it many times. The podcast is a long game mm-hmm. and we want to see instant results, but really what we need to set as our success is just to be consistent with it and look back later in five years, you know, at, at how it went. Um, I think the harder it is, the harder it is to remember that the, yeah, the harder it is to remember that. So, you know, with weight loss, uh, that's one of those things that I want to see really fast results or I want to just quit. Um, but yeah, yeah. That's a good one. It's hard. The five yeah. year thing too, I think about like moments we want something to happen in a year, but sometimes it just takes a long time for some things to evolve that mm-hmm. help the cause that can't be created in a year. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about our journey in church planning. Mm-hmm. There were certain things that happened to us at say 18, 24 or 36 months that we never could have planned. Mm-hmm. 
but God just opened up a door and then boom, we went right into a new season of growth or, uh, or, and you know, seeing new things happen. Mm-hmm. So I, I think being patient and waiting for some of life just to happen mm-hmm. instead of always trying to force things to happen. That's why the five-year plan feels healthier than the one-year plan. Yeah. All right. Next one. Lindley, you recently told me this, you read it about clothing, that every time you get something new, you should get rid of something that's old. Wait, I actually told that to our son, one of our sons who particularly likes to shop. Well, and <laughs> I, it's not only true in your closet, but it's also true, it's true in life, like accumulating mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. You have to get rid of something. That's a, like a super easy organizational principle. Like I follow that really closely. If I buy something new, I get rid of something old. We always have a bin of get rid of. Like, what other categories can we think of? Like, I was noticing the other day, like, we have a lot of weird spatulas. <laughs> <laughs> like, we have spatulas that I have never seen anybody use that spatula. But we just got a new one. No, I don't buy those. I don't know how we get those. But I we think, got a new one. Someone gave us I a spatula. I think when we, like, host things and people leave stuff, yeah. then we just, you Accumulate. don't know who it is and you just get it. <laughs> but don't you think it's hard to get rid of something? Well, let's talk about books, Ben. Books? No, that's a different okay, category. Okay, books are like hello. fine wine. They get better with age. <laughs> you don't want to get rid of that. I'm not sure you should talk about fine it's wine on a, a... It's a euphemism. Okay. Just calm down. It's Pharisaical fine. Baptist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we are we are not going to talk about books. It's off, off the territory. I'm just saying like that could pretend, perhaps be a subject where if you bring one in new that you could get, one of, get rid of an older one. You know, it's interesting you bring that up because I go on book cleaning sprees, though. I, yes, I want to just throw out a bunch mm-hmm. of books. Yeah, you do. Because mm-hmm. they either don't inspire me or someone gave it to me and I'm just, I'm never going to read it. And then four days later, you're like, I want a library with a ladder in it. Uh, there, There is no legit library without a ladder in it. Okay. It's not a real a library. A ladder definitely adds to the library. You know, if, sure. it's, if there's no ladder, it's not a library. It's just a room mm-hmm. of books. I think that principle applies to all kinds of things. Like what? Uh, I mean... Like things in your kitchen, I think towels, I think, I mean, all sorts of household things. Like you shouldn't buy new ones until either the old one's gone or you can replace something. What was yours? Habits. Ooh, that's a good one. Oh, going deeper yeah. here. I know. Well, I'm just saying when you're trying to create a new healthy habit, you got to get rid of an old bad habit, right? Mm. You got to make room for it. Wow. You've been so. reading James Clear. Atomic Habits. <laughs> you know what? I read that book one year and I was like, I'm going to read this book every year. As a habit. But I, I, I've only read it once. But <laughs> I'm going to make a habit a of reading of the ago. best book on habits that's been written in the last 10 that years. Is I feel a, like you've that done is that. a great book. I feel like you've read Atomic Habits, Habits Margin several books lots of times. C.S. Lewis said, if a book is really good, why would you not want to read it more than once? Hmm. Why? Why would you not want to read it more than once? Because I've already read it, and there's 8 million other books. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's an answer. Okay. Um, how about things in your center console in your car? That just needs to be trashed. Every time something goes in there, something's got to go out. I have Chick-fil-A sauce from 1987. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I w- that's really bad. I wish I didn't know that. That I was when Chick-fil-A was only in the mall. No, I have hand sanitizer that surely doesn't sanitize anymore. Back from COVID? It's lost its sanitizations. Sanitization. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. So when you add something, you got to get rid of something, yep. right? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. In terms of starting something new, let's think ministry assignment. Mm. I've always loved mm. Luke 9, 61, 62, where Jesus said, no one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So when you start something new, 
you're not supposed to keep looking back. Ouch. That's hard. Yeah, that's painful. Or when you start a new year, you're supposed to keep your eyes focused ahead and not keep reflecting on what happened to you last year. I have a philosophical question about it. Okay. But God also tells us to remember. Yeah. So what's the difference? That's a very good question. I've actually spent a lot of time thinking about that because you think about the rocks that in the Old Testament when they crossed the river, God said, hey, put a stack of stones here so that you might never forget. Mm -hmm. Um, There are moments where God says, don't forget. And in fact, that's what baptism is. Uh, It's what the Mm -hmm. Lord's Supper is. These rituals Mm -hmm. are designed to help us remember. Um, I think for me, remembering that makes me bitter is not good remembering. Mm. So Clara Barton of the American Red Cross is famous. uh, Someone told her one time about somebody that really hurt her. Like, how did that make you feel? And she said, I specifically remember forgetting that. Mm -hmm. Oh. Uh, so there, there. I think there is an act of conscience, conscious will that I'm not going to continue to recall and spend time ruminating on that. But much easier preached than actually I was lived. About to say sometimes that it's at both end. Like you remember something that was really good, but it makes you now still sad, like that it's over. Yeah. I mean, we just talked about that a few days ago with the situation. And so, how do you resolve that in your mind? In that, like, it's a good memory. But because it's over, you can still you're still sad about it. It's really a great book idea about mm-hmm. the different ways that Scripture talks about remembering because it's it's layered and complex. Mm-hmm. It is because it's like remember the good things that God did, but don't look back with longing for the things that have passed. Look forward to what God has for us next. Yeah, you had that box made for us that says "Remember the wonders He has done." Yeah. But that's choosing to count your blessings, remember the good things. Yeah. But Ecclesiastes 7 says, why do we look at the former days and say they were better than these? So there's different kinds of remembering that are godly or ungodly, holy or unholy, good or bad. Do you feel like people remember accurately? Cause I, oh, heck no. I, do, I mean, do they ever mm-hmm. really? Because I feel like we look back sometimes with so such rose-colored glasses on things or... We remember them when someone wronged us, like so blaming. I mean, you know, they did this to me or that. Yeah. Um, So is remembering, I mean, it is a good practice. You're supposed to do it. But how do you do it in a healthy way? Counseling. I mean, you and I are both working through a counseling Mm -hmm. journey individually right now. I think a big part of counseling is sorting out your memories Mm. so that you can put them away. Like fold them up and sort them so they can go in a drawer for safekeeping, but like they don't continue to stay unsorted. So like with trauma or hurt or pain, if you don't think more about it, you'll keep thinking about it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting in a safe environment where someone's helping you think more in a more healthy way about it so that you can resolve it in your mind. I think too, especially with going into the new year, it could be cool to even take some time to remember 2023, remembering the good things, remember the things that weren't so good, the things that worked, the things that didn't work, like sort of sorting through and creating categories as you look forward, like put your hand to the plow for 2024. Yes. Is that where you were going? No, but I like that. <laughs> That's okay. good. 
Um, next one. You ready? Yep. Proverbs sixteen nine, my life verse. I know it. Say it. He, I don't know it. Wait, it's about a man in his heart. A man plans his course, but the Lord determines mm-hmm. his steps. Yeah, let's say it in the female too. In in her heart, a woman plans her course, I'm but sorry, the Lord in her heart. Yeah. In their heart. <laughs> in mankind's <laughs> heart. It doesn't work, does it? It just doesn't work. In the heart of mankind, yes, that's right. In mankind's heart. You know, some translations have changed all the man to mankind, which I understand why. Um, I cannot think of a single person who would say, I planned out my year and it went the way I planned. Mm. Not a single person. And when I read biography, which I love to read, I can't think of, think of a single president or a, or a single musician or anyone I've read that I thought, here was what I plotted and it went just like I said it would. So I think a lot of, a lot of the, the, the struggle I feel at New Year's is it's really kind of an unbiblical thing mm. to think that you can plot the course for the year when Scripture says you have no idea what will happen to you tomorrow in James. How do you reconcile this with God, like God's being the, God being the God of an organized universe? So, like, you do have to prepare still. Like, you can't just wait and let life happen. Right. Mm-hmm. So, how do you reconcile those two? Well, I think Jesus said no one builds a tower unless he sits down and figures out if you got the materials to finish it. So, there's a responsibility. This is why churches have budgets. This is why we make financial plans, because we want to be as responsible as we can but I heard a pastor say this once, that whenever he stands up before the church to talk about direction or vision, he always begins with this phrase, based on what we know today. That's good. This is where we're going. And I always remember that, and I don't empl- employ it enough because it, it, it gives you an out when everything changes tomorrow because there's this virus that started to go around. Or there's a staff member that's had a moral failure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And all of a sudden, the whole church year changes. Like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Your kid, you could wake up tomorrow. Have you seen Michael Michael J. Fox's uh, documentary yet? Still, yes, it's so good. Okay, th- that scene where he felt the first twitch on his pinky. on his finger, on his pinky, yeah, on his pinky finger, was so impactful because anybody could wake up tomorrow and their one finger is just twitching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And from then on, his life wasn't about acting; it was about Parkinson's. I'm going back to what that pastor said. Say it again. Yeah. Based on based on what we know today, this is the vision for our church. This is where we're going. This is so interesting because that we talk about that all the time with my work at Visioneering. In that, churches call us in to renovate, and they typically are kind of upset about what has been done in the past. And we have to really work them through the system of honor of. Typically, what was built in the past was based on what they knew at that moment. They didn't know a highway was going to come in, or they didn't know a, a develop like a land development was going to come beside it. So, it's just a really interesting thing of just mm-hmm. thinking through things that have happened to us in the past. We also have to give grace that they were doing the best they could do at that mm-hmm. moment with what they had. Right. That's why when Scripture says, "In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his step." There's there's a humility of saying. I've prayed about this. I've thought about it. I've put pen to paper. We've talked about this. It seems reasonable. Mm. But at the same time, God doesn't always work in the way we think he's going to work because he's God and we're not. Mm. All right, next one. Kay. I like this one a lot. Why is it that life realized is not as exciting as life anticipated? 
Mm. So, for example, as you think about the new year, you've got these things out there in the future, like, this is going to be so awesome. But then when you actually experience the moment you've envisioned, it's not normally as awesome as you've envisioned it. It was more fun thinking about it happening than living it. I have an example of this. <laughs> it's true. It Angie, really is true. Angie, we've talked about this before, that in our family we say, I'm going to say something that is not well-received. I <laughs> think that I, this is going to get a reaction from you. I think sometimes family vacations are more fun to plan and think about than the actual mm. vacation. I could not agree more. I mean, I mean, they're fun and they're special. And I like being away from home and <clears> I like <throat> the conversations that we have, but we have not yet had one that's not stressful in regards to travel, a delayed flight, or we've had rental cars that don't work out, or mm-hmm. there's always some yeah. sort of thing. We had a, we went on a trip this past summer up to like the New England area. And it was, our family has just come to the conclusion that we're really good four to five day vacationers. This was a seven day vacation. And one day in the middle was just a bomb. Like it was a bomb. (laughs) And, um, and I remember being so disappointed because you spend so much money and you plan it out. And then when you get there in reality, you know, somebody's in a bad mood and sometimes that's me. And sometimes, you know, it just, it's hard. You know, my favorite junk, (laughs) my favorite junk food is called Instagram reels. And last (laughs) night I was watching one and this lady was talking about how she had just shared with people that she and her husband didn't, didn't want to have kids. Have you seen this one? Mm -mm. And she said, I don't think so. I just need to tell you all. It's just been, the response has been outrageous. Our parents are upset. Uh, Our friends are judging us for this and our kids are not taking it well. (laughs) And like, (laughs) 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 and so as much as I love going on vacation with my kids, like the idea of it, we're going to have so much fun together. Like, Going on vacation with kids is very stressful because all four of our kids think fun is something entirely different. So I Mm -hmm. tend to watch the one that's bored out of his mind and think, what can we do to entertain him? On this trip, I actually asked the kids, I said, I want two places that you want to go next. Mm -hmm. And they, none of them overlapped, any of the two. I mean, you know, they just are all opinions. So we have eight options for the future. But what's your thought, Angie? We've been talking. Well, I actually have like couple of thoughts about why this is the case because I've noticed it in my own life as well. Um, I think one of the reasons is because maybe we savor the planning more than we savor the moment. We need the hope. It's almost like, yes, it's the hope. It's the excitement. It's like we stop and realize the fun that's going on in the planning and how exciting it's going to be. So we like have that moment of like, noticing the feeling and all of the stopping and savoring. But then when we get there, we're not doing that for some reason. It's almost like, what's next? What's next? Absolutely. Where do we go? Um, But I will say, I also think sometimes, and this is going to sound so Christianese, but I'm just going to say, it's something I've learned this year, is that there is a lot of joy in the journey rather than in the arrival. Like, the process we go through to get to whatever the end is, the goal, is sometimes the point. I you know? completely agree. And if you've ever gone to a graduation ceremony, you know how that feels. <laughs> yes, I actually was thinking, because we have three coming up in the next three years, like this, this I, fall. And I'm like, I wonder if it's wrong to entice our kids not to walk at their graduation. <laughs> oh, like I, I literally, for our, our daughter's high school graduation, I took a novel and tucked it inside the program and read 
I have a picture of that actually. For about forty five I got some good reading in. Yeah, of uh, course. It's just so Well these big like our kids go to a high school where they graduate five hundred, it takes forever. You know like seven <clears throat> mm-hmm. of the kids. Okay. I've got anyway. another question and this probably won't make the cut, but since I have you two here I want to ask you this. Is it smart, is it even wise to spend forty thousand dollars on a wedding? <laughs> now hold on, hold on. Gosh. Don't you think a lot of the the money that's invested in the wedding is about all the fun of planning? But then you get to the wedding, no matter how nice it is, it just isn't that great. Oh, I think it's great. I just think, I remember ours. Is it $40,000 great? No, I'm just saying, I remember, so we had our wedding reception was at this place. We were the first reception there. Uh, my parents did, like, they were so generous with the food and all that stuff. And we were like... I don't know, 60 to 90 minutes into that reception. And we're like, we're done. We're leaving. Like, yeah. mom said, do you want to cut the cake? And I, I don't think we even did. I think we were like, no, because I don't want that s- dumb video of like um, the man smashing the cake in her face right. or whatever. So um, I, I think really expensive events end up being extremely stressful because you sunk some money into this, so much money in this thing. Mm-hmm. And the weather better be perfect. People yes. better show up. There's all this pressure on, like, it, we've invested so much, and then the punch tastes terrible. Mm-hmm. How could it taste terrible for $40,000? So I've done a lot of weddings as a pastor. I've done, I can't remember how many I've done. The ones I remember that I really felt the sweetness of the Lord were the, sw- the small weddings, sometimes mm-hmm. even second, second marriages, where the emphasis was on the relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm just beginning to question this. If we have a we have a daughter now that's heading toward that season, mm-hmm. like if I was going to give her cash to start her new life with her new husband versus sink all that into a one day event, it's just it's worth thinking about. Yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, this is deeply biblical. Well, I'm glad I could host this show and be the best <laughs> producer that this thing has seen in a long time. Listen, I, I have thoughts about this too. And I, I think the most fun thing at the wedding is the dance party after the wedding, mm-hmm. for sure. That's the reason I go to weddings. But I will tell you, I have been part of weddings where I'm there early to help with whatever decorations or what, you know. And it is so minute and detailed and mind boggling that people would spend so much of their energy on it or so much of their money. I feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've been married 27 years. Y'all have been married how long? 22. So you know now what's important right. <laughs> about the wedding. Yeah. And so I think it's just like the perspective we have this much later, plus all the weddings we've attended, that we realize, oh, this is worth it. Okay, this let is me, fun. Let me finish with this. I heard a pastor say okay. this in the last month. I think it's so true. When a couple is afraid to get married, why don't you guys get married? Uh, and you know, maybe they're struggling with living together or whatnot. Well, we, we have to save up for a wedding. Yeah. Here's oh. his response. I think it's genius. He's like, hey, let me go ahead and marry you. And in, mm-hmm. in two years, throw this huge party mm-hmm. to celebrate your relationship. And he said, and guess what? They're going to realize in two years that there's a better use for their money mm-hmm. <laughs> than throwing a That's big party right. for their relationship. That's they're exactly gonna, right. They're going to put that money towards something they really value. So mm-hmm. I, I am just at this point where I'm questioning all the planning that goes into an event that kicks off something. Is it worth the money? Or are there other ways to celebrate 
you know, our families now love to, we love to go places and like hang out together, mm-hmm. like put the mm-hmm. money towards the destination, bring a few really cherished friends, mm-hmm. have some special share time. Uh, my mind's just going around events a lot more about what really makes an event special. I think it's going to be interesting to see how Gen Z changes weddings. Mm. Because I'm already hearing conversations just like from my kids and my kids' friends about what they want their weddings to be like. And it's totally off the wall. Oh, wow. So, I, yeah, like I look forward to, to seeing how it might, the culture might change. Um, but I want to tell you guys this. Our church just did really something something really cool around weddings that I think you'll think is cool and our listeners will. Um, our pastor was preaching on the importance of marriage and not you know, living together before you were married. And we had a lot of couples in our church that were in that exact scenario you just mentioned, Ben, where we can't afford to get wet, get married. We can't afford a wedding. Yeah. So we had a, a big wedding day. Hmm. On It was on a Saturday. Our people contributed like wedding dresses and diamond rings and all kinds of things. That's our cool people idea. just gave to it. And it was like 20 couples got married <laughs> at one time. Our pastor married them. It was That's, so cool. I have never heard of anything like that. Yes, really cool in the worship center, and we had like awesome music and just beautiful wedding. You just got married with nineteen other couples. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. That's All cool. right, I'm going to close out the show with this. Okay. If I were January first or January second, <laughs> I would feel really gypped because everybody <laughs> on my day is thinking about another day. Ooh. I think one of the hardest things about the new year is remembering that the thing that we really have is today. Hmm. It's all we have. Hmm. I'm going to finish this podcast up. I'm going to walk out there and I'm going to run into some people. And I get to steward that moment. Do I leave those people better than I found them? And what I'm finding are the people who really enjoy their lives. They, they view every day and every encounter as the most important thing. Mm. So with all of our desire to plan early in January or late December, we have the holiday with our family. Mm. We have these moments and we don't get them back. So I want to encourage you today. Jesus said he makes all things new. And today we have a new day. So let's enjoy it. The Glass House is brought to you by Lifeway. It is produced and edited by Angie Elkins with help from William Hall. Sound engineering by Donnie Gordon. Artwork by Heather Brzezinski. And photography by Rebecca McVeigh.